It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Now, uh, first Sunday of the month, we like to celebrate uh, what's happening with our podcast people. So, you know, we gather here live, obviously, in Perth every Sunday. Uh, but all that we see isn't all that there is because we also have, in fact, right now, we have our online experience, uh, 10 o'clock now every week and 5 p.m. So that's happening now. And also our podcast uh, people around the world. So um, this last month, February, we actually punched through 70,000 downloads. So that's a new milestone for us. So good job. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, And some of the countries that uh, joined us last month in February, I'll give a shout out uh, to Japan, to Saudi Arabia, and to the United Arab Emirates. So uh, welcome those people, great to have you with us. And of course, rate, review, five stars only people, and uh, share them with your friends from your podcast platform. Now, I thought we'd start today by playing a game. And uh, I've invented this game, and I've called it, uh, Which People Are You? All right, so that's the name of the game. Which people are you? Now, I'm gonna call out two options. If you're in the first group, you raise your right hand, first group, right hand. If you're in the second group, raise your left hand. So, okay, let's start with this one. Are you right hand morning people or are you left hand night people? Morning people, night people. All right, it's a reasonable spread. All right, okay, fair enough, all right. Uh, Okay, Uh, right hand if you're coffee people, left hand if you're tea people. All right, okay, okay, good. Yep, Jesus loves you both. Uh, Let's dial up a little. Let's dial up a little bit. Those are two very safe starting questions. Dial it up. Are you iPhone people or Android phone people? iPhone, Android, okay, bit of a 50-50. All right, let's dial it up. Let's dial up a little bit more. Let's push this boat out from safe waters. Are you Liberal Party people or Labour? No, don't answer, don't answer, don't answer, don't answer that one. Don't, okay, don't answer that one. All right, all right, all right. Last one. All right, let's dial it up to 11, shall we? Are you pro-vaccine mandate people or it? No, definitely don't answer that one. Definitely don't answer that one. But... If you're, if you're brave enough, listen to me, if you're brave enough, is anyone here willing to admit that when I put this question up, you felt a smidge of awkwardness involuntarily rise up in you? Anyone willing to admit that? It was like, ugh. And if so, because we even had the comment, question like that's going to divide us. If you felt a bit of awkwardness, have you paused to ask yourself the question why that is? Because I haven't made any comment here. I just put up two like, you know, categories, which by the way, they aren't the only two categories that exist, but I'm just, you know, I made the game, I make the rules. So let's take a deep breath. I'm not going to make any comment on this 
position. I'm not going to tell you what my position is. I can tell you simply that my position is neither of these two, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's far more complicated and nuanced than these two groups would suggest. But what I want to do is I just want to put out a couple of cultural observations for why questions like this and topics like this can and do have the potential to cause division. Okay, now these are Mark Pomery's observations. These are not the Bible's observations. Understand? So don't blame God if you don't agree. If you don't agree with me on these, totally fine. They're just purely my cultural observations as to why some of these hot topics have the potential to cause division. One cultural observation is really the way the media is set up these days. Now, there was a time where you would watch one news show program per night, per week, maybe read one newspaper. There was only one newspaper to choose from and you just read that one newspaper. And so the media themselves didn't have as much competition for your eyeballs. They had a, re- you know, it was only a couple of channels on TV anyway. I'm, I'm talking, I'm showing my age here, but that's fine. Uh, but the, the point is there was like three or four channels maximum. There was one or two newspapers maximum in your local area. And so the news outlets didn't have as much competition for your eyeballs as they do now. You can get news from any news source in the world delivered to you 24-7 across multiple platforms. So the demand for your eyeballs is at an all-time high. And one of the tools that media outlets use to get you to stop the scroll and to zero in on their article is what's known as clickbait headlines. Very intentionally, clickbait, and and one of the most clickbaity, stopping the scroll type headlines are polarizing headlines. Ones that cause you to go, wait, what? And that's exactly the response. Wait, what? Click to read. And, 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 And it... In a polarizing headline, uh, it doesn't leave any scope for nuance. This question I ask, are you pro-vaccine mandate people? It doesn't leave any room for nuance. It actually tells you that there are only two positions and only two groups and you have to choose. And you don't have to think, just pick one. And then you're right. And another aspect in, again, Mark Primary's cultural observations in some of these news stories, another tool that is used is to have, and particularly in the more controversial hot topics, have a, ensure that you have, and Hollywood have been doing this for decades, a protagonist and an antagonist and, and, and actually pit them against each other. And so we think, oh, and we, and we kind of gravitate towards one or the other. We feel one's right and, 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 or, or we're not, or the other one, and we feel sorry for them or not. And, and, and we lose the nuance because we feel like there's only these two people. And it serves to create an us versus them mindset, Right? In other words, even if there is only two positions, which that's really true, but even if there is only two positions, does it mean it has to be us versus them or can we actually live peaceably with differing perspectives? 
And this plays out in family settings, your extended family, over time, have probably morphed into two groups on various topics. Uh, it plays out in your workplace. It plays out on social media and in fact is rewarded on social media by the algorithm. The more you like certain posts, the more you get fed those posts and the more your reinforcement bias gets told that you're right. And And we've lost the ability in many cases to have a healthy and robust discussion. The hotter the topic, the less we better say about it. So we either shut our mouths, that's one option. Keep, keep your head down, keep in the bunker. Or you can stay in the bunker, but... get good at lobbing grenades, which none of that brings truth out. It just damages people, right? Families, workplaces, marriages. And we have a word for the people in the other bunker, don't we? We call them those people. Oh, you're one of those people. And by the way, those people, there's another word for them, the wrong people. But call them those people. And, and then we allow those people to get under our skin. And then there's this one. We allow those people to cause us to say and do things that Jesus doesn't like. Oh, those people. Has anyone got any of those people in your sphere? Anyone? If you didn't put your hand up, here's the truth. I've said it before. That probably means you are one of those people, okay? Everyone else is looking at you going, yeah, I, I know one of those people. It's them. So I want to show you something that God said when He was at a very different perspective from His people, the Israelites. And actually, it's a very small, like, slice of a sentence. And it's actually been something that I learned some time ago many years ago, and it's been one of the most helpful tools that I've ever learnt and tried to apply in my life and my leadership. Do you want to show it to you? Yeah. It's something that God spoke through Isaiah when God was at a very different position and perspective from His people. And He said to them, come now and let us reason together. Not come now, let us argue with each other. Not come now, let us criticize each other. But actually an invitation to come together and to try and reason together. He, he didn't guarantee agreement. But a commitment to this doesn't guarantee agreement, but it will almost certainly, if it's done well, bring greater understanding of the other people and their perspective and their Position. In fact, I was sharing with the team this morning, this very like exact phrase and this principle, uh, you'll find this, you'll, you'll find this in the first Godfather movie. Marlon Brando, the OGG, the original, no, just OG, the original Godfather, Marlon Brando. Uh, 
he would use this phrase to invite one of his enemies, another head of another family or so on and so forth. He would say to them, come, let us reason together and invite them to what the mafia called, by the way, I realise I don't teach about what we should learn from the mafia every week, okay? But in this case, it bears out. Uh, he would say to the other, the, the, those people, the enemies, he would say to them, come let us reason together. And he would invite, invite them to have what the mafia call a sit down. Not a shootout, that comes later, depending on how the sit down goes. But his first tool was to invite them to a sit-down and a sit-down was specifically designed. You weren't allowed to bring guns in there. You weren't allowed to have your, your bodyguards in there. was to sit down and try to better understand each other, why you think that, why you are doing that, why you are considering that, why that's been something that you... It's brilliant. I can't, now, I said to tell, I can't remember if I first learnt this from the Godfather and then read the Bible or if I read the Bible and then the Godfather and I was like, wow. I don't know. Either way, doesn't matter. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. To, 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 to develop a commitment to this approach with those people. Now, it's not enough to have a commitment. You also have to have some tools in your toolkit and I'm gonna come back to that. Because you can have a sit down and actually things, <laughs> you leave the table worse than when you started if you don't know what you're doing. Um, I'll come back to some tools, but let me show you. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. We launched this series last week called No Offense because we do live in this cultural zeitgeist of polarization. And it's getting worse, it's not getting better. And I'm not ready to wave the white flag to the culture. In fact, I want us to, as Jesus followers, to be known for how well we do disagreement. Um, and it isn't easy, because that's the thing about you and your, your tribe, to have a sit down with those people, you, you, risk, you risk being exposed. That, that by hearing them, you risk being exposed that, oh, hang on a second, I actually don't know everything. <laughs> Which if you've got a fragile ego, that's not what you go fishing for, right? So what you do is you stay within your own tribe who continually pat you on your back and reinforce that you're right. Oh, you're right. No, they're just those people. Don't listen to those people. So last week I taught in this series a message simply called Stop Taking Offence. And it's pretty a, a kind of intentionally abrasive title, but it, you know, this is actually possible to become unoffendable, to think, you know what? Someone put this in front of me and I'm just gonna step over it. It's literally not worth detouring my destiny to just to deal with this. I'm just gonna step over it and it, it, it's, it stays their problem. Um, so you can listen to that. Today I've called this message dealing with those people, which I'll admit is intentionally a clickbait title. This is what you will see as a title for our online experience and for our podcast, and we called it this 
for those people, and not those people, those people, our podcast and our online family to want to listen or watch. But actually, because you're here, I don't have to clickbait you in. You're already here. This is what the message is really titled. Okay. How to disagree well, which is not nearly as clickbaity. So you get where I'm coming from? But actually, this is more accurate. I want us to talk about this morning how to disagree well. Because if you learn to disagree well, disagreement doesn't have to be destructive. It doesn't have to be destructive to your relationships. It doesn't have to be destructive to your mental health and your anxiety. And it doesn't have to be destructive to the influence that God's caused you to grow, called you to grow in, in your life. Disagreement doesn't have to be destructive if we learn to disagree well. So if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, how about you pop that open to Acts chapter 15. So no more just talking about Mark's opinions. No more just learning how to do life like the mafia. Let's actually look at the Bible. Acts chapter 15, I'm gonna be reading a bit from the New Living Translation. And I wanna show you an example from the early church of disagreement done well, okay? Now, here's the landscape that I'm about to drop us into. Now, the book of Acts is written by Luke. So Luke was one of Jesus' four biographers, but he wasn't one of Jesus' eyewitness biographers. He went in after and gathered stories and so on from eyewitnesses. So this continued. He wrote the, 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 what we call the Gospel of Luke. And then he also wrote the Acts, which is essentially a highlight reel of the early church, the first kind of hundred years of the early church, uh, recorded by Luke from eyewitness accounts. And so he's writing this particular slice of history in a, in a, recording a time when the very first three or four decades of the church, most of the, in fact, the overwhelming majority of the earliest Jesus followers were previously Jewish. Okay, so Jesus, sort of the epicenter of his public life was around Jerusalem and the known Jewish world. And so that's where a lot of the earliest Jesus followers came from. And what they had got in the habit of doing was becoming Jesus followers plus retaining all of their Jewish customs, beliefs, and traditions. So fine, until the church started to spread beyond the known Jewish world and non-Jewish people, which we're referred to as Gentiles, non-Jewish people started to become Jesus followers. And all of a sudden, there was two groups. Sound familiar? Not only were there two groups, the Jewish Jesus followers took the position that the Gentile Jesus followers had to also convert to Judaism. And if they didn't, they weren't saved. Okay, so faith in Jesus wasn't enough. You can have faith in Jesus plus layer on all the Jewish stuff, which by the way, fellas, would have required adult male circumcision to be, to be, to be considered a legitimate Jesus follower, etc., etc., etc. The 600 plus commandments that the Jewish faith were observing. And so there was these two groups who actually had two very different sets of belief. Jesus in common, but everything else very different. Well, enter into that conversation a guy named Paul, who, 
by the way, had been a Jewish, like a high profile Jewish leader. And he'd met Jesus and he'd become a Jesus follower. So he's, he's not in either of these two groups. He, he takes a position in this nuance that we forget exists in a lot of scenarios. So he's an ex-Jewish leader. He's become a Jesus follower. And he starts asking the question, hang on a second. I'm not sure that what the Jewish people are saying is correct. I'm not sure that the Gentiles need to also convert to Judaism. I just, I'm just not sure. It doesn't sound right, but I, I need to get greater understanding before I can kind of, you know, arrive at an outcome. And so... This is what Luke recorded happened next. While Paul and Barnabas, who's Paul's wingman, were at Antioch of Syria, some men came from Judea, from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. Unless you're circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you can't be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question, to have a sit down. Let us reason together. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them. You can read on, on for yourself. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Who knew? And then when they'd finished, James stood. Now, you can ultimately keep reading. Not now! You can ultimately keep reading for yourself, find out what happened. But, but I can just give you this much, that James, on behalf of the church leaders, they came up with a position that they could agree to among the various groups represented. And Paul and Barnabas were happy with the outcome. And that outcome was announced. But here's the important thing that I think to understand from this particular sit down is whilst they came out with greater understanding and something that they could agree to, they didn't go into that with the guarantee of that outcome, right? But ask yourself this question. If their intent of getting together was just purely to argue and criticise, and posture, and grenade lob, do you think they would have ever gotten to a position where they could reach greater understanding? And ultimately, in this case, agreement. I, I don't think so. But I kind of buried the lead here, although it is highlighted. Here's a clue. <clears throat> Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul. Everyone listened quietly. This is something that James, we taught last week, and by the way, James was one of the church leaders in this meeting, which he wrote to Jesus' followers, us included today, more important than ever. Lead with your ears. In other words, listen first. Follow up with your tongue. And then if you have to, 
because you're outraged. Let anger straggle along in the rear. Okay, I'm anger. I'm still here. When do I get my turn? Well, after we've listened and then after we've reasoned together, maybe, maybe you can kind of join the sit down. So here's my toolkit. So the commitment matters, but the commitment without the toolkit can be just as problematic. In fact, sometimes more. You sat down and you walked away like. So here's my reasoning, Marco's reasoning toolkit. And it's in a very intentional order, by the way. The first one is assess your trust platform. Do not take a one-size-fits-all approach when you're looking to reason with somebody. The greater the trust, the more the, the cogs have been lubricated, the less you have to spend time over-explaining where you're coming from, why you're doing that, because there's a high level of trust. And actually, that's been likely built over time. So you can, you can kind of go a little further faster, right? However, the opposite is also true. If you have little or no established trust platform, then you need to take things slower. You need to explain yourself more because there's a lot of actual, not misunderstanding, just lack of understanding because you haven't cultivated that. So, so start with that and then that, that will help you navigate some of the approach that you take. And if you do this well, Paradoxically, it will, it, will, it will serve to build more trust for the next go around should that happen. Here's my second tool for the toolkit. Ask questions. So you've listened and Billy Bob has told you their position on something or their perspective on something. You can ask them something like, interesting. By the way, because that, that gives nothing away. Don't say you're an idiot, you're wrong. Just like, just say, interesting. Help me understand how you came to that position. Help me understand how you arrived with that perspective because that would be helpful to me. Again, we're looking to develop greater understanding. So ask them the backstory. And they might tell you about family of origin. They might tell you about something that happened to them. They might be tell you about the things they've read, the conversations they had. And just listen. Don't ask loaded questions. Yeah, I'm gonna ask you a question. And as soon as you're finished, it's boom. Now just ask and listen. Ask questions and listen. I'm curious to learn more about the journey that's brought you to this perspective. And then if you feel that you have to, if you feel that you might be able to add some value to the table, before you unleash, ask permission. I, I said this, just ask permission. Okay, hmm, wow. Okay. And by the way, you might have learned something. I didn't think of that before. I'd never considered that before. Wow, I'd never come across that before. Again, not ready to agree. Maybe never will, will agree. But then if you think it's going to add some value, and again, it's not about making a point, it's about making a difference. So if you, you can add some value, just ask permission. Okay, all right, okay, wow. Do, do you mind if I maybe just, because I, 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 I think a little, we're a little bit apart on this. Maybe I, like I share a little bit of a different perspective. Do you mind if I 
just put a couple of thoughts on the table that just, you know, from where I'm coming from. And again, they might say, no, thank you, gotta go. But, 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 and you've got no control over that. But then sometimes they say, yeah, all right, yeah, okay, sure. I got five minutes, go for it. Now, as you are in this sit down, this exchange, here's a very important tool. Monitor your emotions. <laughs> Keep the dashboard on and look for the warning lights. And if the warning lights start to look like a Christmas tree, ask permission to take a time out. Because if you let get to a point where you start to let your emotions manage the sit down, right? Then the actual content of what you're trying to get understanding for will be obscured by the vibe. And the other person, by the way, you'll also likely say and do some dumb stuff. Speaking from experience, by the way. Lots of experience, by the way. Uh, but you just kind of detonated the whole point of having to sit down in the first place because in the person that you've been trying to get greater understanding for, the most strongest lasting impression was just like how things felt because emotions took over. So keep that on. And then here's this one. I didn't know where to put this. I don't think it's fifth out of five, but it's in the top five. So here we go. Separate facts and opinions. It's okay to have an opinion, but don't confuse it with fact if it's merely your opinion. You know, in text world, we have IMO. We text IMO, which for those of you over 35 means in my opinion. And then we have this one, the most passive aggressive text shortcut ever created. Some of you know this one, I-M-H-O, in my humble opinion, which doesn't mean humble at all. It means I'm right, you're wrong, you're those people, and I'm gonna preface it in the hope that you continue reading before I drop the grenade on you, I-M-H-O. No, it's I am AO in my arrogant opinion, if we're gonna be honest, right? Anyone receive one of those messages, I am HO, and you know exactly what's coming next. Someone about to... Separate facts and opinions. Uh, the Apollo 13 mission, well, there was Apollo 11 was the first one that landed on, on the moon. Apollo 12... No one cares, no one remembers. And Apollo 13 was the Houston, we have a problem. Right, we remember that. The mission control head honcho is a guy named Gene Krantz. And the basic scenario was this, uh, you know, lunar module was, was going off and, it, and it, something malfunctioned and they were, didn't have enough necessarily fuel and oxygen to be able to make it back. So these, these trips were meant to be two-way trips. And this one was fast looking like it was gonna become a one-way trip. You, you follow? Yeah. And so, um, and if you've seen the movie, you can kind of visualize this anyway. So Gene Krantz gets all of his engineers at NASA together and they start talking about not what went wrong. We can kind of slice and dice that later. Now we just need to get these people home alive. 
So they started talking about how do we conserve fuel, like brainstorming, how can we preserve oxygen? How can we get enough thrust to get them around the moon and and use gravity to get them back? And there was this whole thing. And so Gene Kranz is leading this discussion, all of his uh, top engineers and scientists standing around, and they're all putting out their opinions. And he famously stopped them after a very short period of time and, and said, get the facts, people. You only make things worse by guessing. If you, I remember that. If you don't remember that, write that. Get the facts, people. Now, he was their boss, so he didn't have to worry about the trust platform or whatever. It's like, do your job. Um, this sort of happened to me last week. I'll finish with this. Uh, and I encourage you to listen to last week's podcast. It was pretty funny, uh, if I do say so myself. I am HO. And... Uh, but, I, but Louis and I, there's, there's this uh, branch uh, of like biblical proportions <laughs> fell off a tree in our backyard neighbours. It landed on our property. And so Sunday afternoon after I preached the Word of God, I went home and got my saw and I started dissecting said, it was one of the, like a branch that like Noah would have used to build the ark, okay? Probably half of the ark, which is one branch, right? So I'm, and I'm lobbing them back dissected pieces uh, to the, the owner of, the previous owner, the rightful owner of the branch. And uh, anyway, their daughter came out and she didn't like what I was doing necessarily. Um, and so I didn't like that she didn't like it, but I just kept going. And she, she started yelling at me. We never met before. She doesn't live there. Uh, yelling at me, the rules are that, that the person that the tree branch fell on, it's their responsibility to, 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 to. and I was like, what rules? The rules. The rules say that you're, and I go, I'm, you know, didn't break stride here. And I'm like, I just say, I just say, just say, so manage my emotions. I'm good. Putting all of my energy into the soaring. And I say, uh, what rules? The rule, the rule, in fact, the rules say that, that it was your responsibility to, to, to have looked after this branch in the first place, which, by the way, was six metres in, in the air and two metres on their property. It actually somersaulted onto ours. So I say, okay, again, which rules? Whose rules are these? You, this is the third time you've said the rules. I just, I'm, whose rules? The rules! Okay. I said, listen, uh, on the local council's website, there is the rules about trees and fences. And look, I'm happy to, like I have my phone on me, I'm happy to open them up now and we can like have a look at them together. Oh no, just the rules. Okay, this conversation is over. Here's another log. I know, it sounds, but that's the point. It was like, oh, that's a very anticlimactic finish, right? You're expecting me to have clobbered her with the, no, just like, this is the point. I did all of these things. It's like the rules. Anyway, Jared, come up. Uh, next week, going to finish this series. Um, and I mentioned this last week. You, you know, week one and even this um, is a bit more of the fence at the top of the hill kind of stuff, like preventative strategies with dealing with a fence. Next week, because I realise some people have fallen over the fence or under the fence or got thrown down the hill that maybe, you know, so next week I'm, I'm going to talk, teach about what to do when bitterness takes over. And, uh, and interesting, that was great. I mentioned that last week and a couple of our team said to me, like, I, 
full disclosure, I have got a lot of bitterness. So I'm really looking forward to that next week. So I'm gonna teach as honestly as I can and hopefully it's gonna be very, very helpful. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me, and also download our Elevate Church AU app.